I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. And you're very welcome along to this week's edition of the Rocky Road Rewind. I'm Simon Maguire. I'm delighted to be joined as ever by boxing writer from the Irish Sun, Kevin Byrne. Kevin, how are you? Good, Simon, and yourself? How are you keeping? Chipping along. Chipping along in, lock- in this lockdown, these lockdown days. Happy days, yeah. How are you? Um, my car broke down again, um, so I'm terrible. But apart from that, I'm grand. Not a bother. Look, sure. Every cloud. I know, yeah. It's breaking <laughs> down um, probably once a week at this stage. But fortunately, I don't have anywhere to go. So it's uh, it couldn't be deciding to fall apart at a better time. Yeah, well, this is it. You know, working from home and all that. Mm-hmm. And I suppose just for this week's episode, um, it was something we rec- it was one of the first things we worked on actually uh, this time last year, and it was a, a panel discussion on the ten year anniversary of Darren Sutherland's passing. And I kind of suppose we just wanted to put it out again in, in podcast format because you know, for me, I really enjoyed recording it that day. There was some terrific memories from the guys and i just i just thought we, we decided that it was probably best to put it out again and give it another platform um as we now go the 11th anniversary of, of darren's passing yeah absolutely like um we put it out last year we you know cobbled together or we put together a couple of videos put them on youtube put them on the Sunsport facebook account and um but yeah since we've been doing this rocky road rewind i feel and and I'm sure you feel the same. It was well, I know you feel the same because it's your idea. But um, this is the perfect format. We are looking back at Irish boxing in the last decade, two, three, four, or whatever. Um, and Sutherland's such a large part of Irish boxing history. And at the same time, his legacy lives on into modern day. A lot of his old friends are still current and active boxers. Two of the guys who are participating in today's discussion are current professional boxers. And uh, one is a trainer, you know, and, and another guy is still training amateur boxers. So, yeah, like, I mean, it's Darren Sutherland, his recent history, and his, you know, he's not going to be forgotten anytime soon either. Yeah, and for me, it was it was heartwarming or heartbreaking at times, the two, really. And the way Eric Donovan, Kenneth Egan, uh, John Joe Nevin, and Jimmy Halpin reflected on their memories with him. You know, the, the shadow boxing in the in the bathroom with John Joe on the first night he had to sleep with him in the same room with him on the Irish team at three o'clock in the morning, or the fact that he wouldn't pay the the, tr- the tram fare to go into one of the towns in Germany to meet somebody's oh, brother, yeah, like, yeah. kind of stories like that that you, you want to remember. Not just he was great at fighting, but just what he was like as, as a person. 
Well, mainly, like, any time I'm putting together a panel, I'm, I'm looking to get uh, people in who are kind of funny, you know, and uh, who'll have a, a few good stories and stuff. And I'm sure if Darren Sutherland knew a bunch of his old mates were getting together for a panel 10 years after he died, he wouldn't want um, some sort of somber, morose tone, you know, isn't everything terrible? I mean, it's it's a true, it's, it's self-evident that it's terrible that Darren lost his life 11 years ago now. But at the same time, you can see that the readiness of his friends to gather to speak about his life and his legacy and the good times he had with them, um, and just the stories they had. Like he, he, with the, the four guys we got talking there, um, as you mentioned, as you mentioned previously, like they could have spoke for another hour, two, three, and at the same time they would have just kept laughing, kept slagging. So it's um, that's kind of what you want, isn't it? That's a good legacy to have. That uh, even after you're dead and gone, people aren't afraid to take the Mickey out of you talk about the good points and, you know, laugh at the things that they found preposterous about you, which is, you know, that's that's what we all want, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, sure, look, sure, we'll let it roll. And Jimmy, you've obviously got a lot of memories of Darren as a young man and a young player. Yeah, terrific talent. When he walked into the gym the first night, like, I didn't I, I didn't know him from Adam because he was actually coming from, uh, coming back over from England. And uh, he, just says, he just says to me, I'm at the, I was in doing pads with one or two of the lads, and he says, uh, <clears throat> any chance of doing pads with me? He says, I'm joining this club now. So I just said to, I said to John McCormick, and I said, geez, this kid is something else. He said, he's, yeah. he's a bit special. I said, he, he's, he seems to have all the offensive, defensive lines and good, good puncher. And I was delighted with him at the time, you know. Yeah. Great, great to work with him. You were 16 at the time, 17 maybe. No, we were a li- little bit older now. Right. Yeah, you I'd say he was about 18. Okay, 18. Yeah, 18. I actually went over yeah, yeah. He was a late bloomer, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. 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 But a uh, terrific talent. And it's great. I was delighted to have him on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly you've got yourself a potential elite yeah. champion. And lads, you were in the high performance at the time and Darren came in. What were your first impressions of him when he joined? Well, I'd been there right from the start of the high performance. Yeah. You know, I was set up back in 2003. So, see someone coming in that was. Was, was on the older side, would we say? He was a mature student, mm. if you like. Mm. Uh, he came in and he was, he was real pro style about him. You know, Jimmy, you know, great job. And uh, just a perfectionist. Yeah. That's right. And I've always looked up to him in that sense because he was, he always done everything by the book. Mm. His weight and all, how he maintained it and how he kept it. You know, he was, he was a perfectionist. And, and uh, even in his training, he, put, he was the first man on last man and, and he was always pushing it to the limit and trying to spar me and Darren had some fantastic spars mm. uh, killed each other and he would have made you grow lo and behold you? he was away below me mm. and you know he'd be pushing me to the limit yeah so that would say an awful lot about him yeah you know staying at middleweight and dominating the middleweight do you John remember any of the bands he got off and did, did he ever put you on he did a fantastic job you know and, and once you got the timing of the job right the, the spar would kind of even itself out but it was hard to do that you know a lot a lot of concentration because it, it, was, it was different speed job it was a different mm-hmm. power in it and he'd always have you thinking about it all the time you know but that's all he's thinking with with you he would have brought you to a whole new level because you didn't have even though you weren't in the same way category, that challenge yeah but every spar yeah, yeah. he would because darren was the constant yeah. professional the constant pro in everything he did and um you knew that darren was always going to turn up at the gym in shape yeah, yeah. 100%, yeah, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100% percent mentally physically, physically and Sometimes we were a bit hit and miss. You might have, you know, a bit of downtime after a major championship or a tournament. Darren never had downtime. Even was on his game. Yeah, even after time. when we were told, right, you have three weeks off, lads. After we come back from a multi nations or whatever, we take the we three take weeks. the three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we be eating pizza, yeah. you know, whatever. We figuring out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
Darren was back in Xavier, in Xavier's at the yeah. time, back in the gym, always, he was the constant and professional. So he Darren, Darren would, would not have been as good as he was without him. Yeah. He was exceptional for it. His, his technical ability was brilliant. And like what, what he, he made Darren like a very aware of working with cell and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that like about, too, we're yeah. talking about Darren, Darren uh, O'Neill as well, yeah. which was, he was more a power puncher. But when the three of them were together, it was, it was just a culture's dream to, to see them in the ring, mm-hmm. offensive, defensive, you know, the range, the, the selection, the shot selection. Everything, everything was top class. It was world class because they were three world class fighters. They were terrific. And that's what I, it was just a joy to be a part of that setup at that time, you know. And lads, do you remember speaking about to Darren about his hopes and dreams from his boxing career? Because for some people, it's to go to the Olympics. But Darren left Ireland early to go to Sheffield to become a pro and came back and joined Jimmy's. So he, he wanted to become a. When, tough. I, when I first came on the team, I think he put me in the room well. I was a new kid on the team, I didn't know what was going to set into. Well, um, I remember coming to Initiation, the video. That was, was that? <laughs> that was the training camp um, before, um, where was it, Mascara, the Olympic qualifiers. Yeah. I didn't know what was getting set into. The next day I come knocking at Billy's room, I said, Billy, what's happening here? And he was, uh, he'd always get up and eat his porridge at two in the morning or three in the morning. Yeah. I heard this shadow boxing going on in the background. I said, what's going on here? So why he's all laughing the next day, I come up to Billy. I said, Billy, what's happening? John Joe, there's no one else on the team that'll share a room when you're there. <laughs> but he, I had to put up with like he, he, he eased it down and he he um he you know he he did the things that um that I couldn't hear them anymore. He'd go outside the room, whatever, bring his porridge out, his porridge, eat from outside the door, come back Give in. Give you a bit more yeah, peace. Yeah, but again, he was always he always looked after me as well. You know, me being young on the team, I was only a youngster in eighteen. Mm-hmm. He looked after me, brought me through, and always saw me right and things. You know. Well, his dream to me was never about the Olympics. It was mm-hmm. always to be world champion and, and professional. It was all about the profession. Mm-hmm. Even before the Olympics, mm-hmm. all he was worried about was turning pro right after the Olympics, you know? Yeah. Well, as you say there, John Joe, he, he seemed to always live up in his head. He was always thinking to do something. Yeah, exactly. Something. He could never relax. I remember we got the Piscara challenge for the, yeah, for the yeah, quali- yeah, We got the Piscara for the qualifiers. And yeah. Billy had to talk before the, the weigh-in or the, the draw. That if you want to speak at any time, come day or night, yeah, yeah. knock on my room, bring me away. <laughs> he knocks at Billy's door at three in the morning, was I can I have a talk? <laughs> Billy's <laughs> the worst thing he ever said to him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he never, I, I suppose, like, one thing about Darren, he never made any apologies for his, he was hyperactive in a yeah, way, yeah. he was, but... He, like I say, yeah, he didn't, he didn't, he tried to disguise it or anything, he was who he was, and... He, he was straight up and honest, you know, he'd say stuff like, you know what I mean, that like, you know, I need, this is what I need to do, this helps me, like sometimes when he was getting up early in the morning, this is how, this was yeah. his ritual, you know yeah. what I mean, this is what he did time and time again. I remember sitting down and having a deep kind of philosophical conversation with him one time about his career and about his time in Sheffield and with the Ingalls and stuff like that and um, he just felt, he, he, it almost like he had a eureka moment himself and he realised, I'm a bit too young for this, I need to go back, I need to mature a little bit. I need to go back and I need to, need to maybe earn my stripes or, or, or build, develop into a man more so as an amateur and then go on back into the profession. So even to have that kind of foresight uh, from, from an early age to make that decision, come back. And it was a brilliant decision yeah, yeah. in the end because he came back and he came into a professional unit. Um, like I said, he, 
He came into Gary Keegan his first amateur coach was one of the high performers that's right. as well. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. But he yeah. kind of came into a professional system. We were already a part of a yeah, professional yeah. system, the high performance system. But Darren was showing us how to be professional. Yeah. He was coming in with his own uh, dietary supplements and his own. He, he had his own little kind of um, his lunch box, and he'd have his salads and he'd have that man out he, for the day. He, he stayed planned before he even started. He, was, like he was meticulous. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he was meticulous. He really was. Like, like let's put it this way. Like, I, I really like boxing. I yeah. loved the high performance. I loved training. Mm. I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But Darren, that yeah. was everything to him. Yeah. You know, now as you mentioned earlier, he came back over from England and fair play to him back into the educational yeah. system and got his leave and said yeah. he went to college. Mm. But that's an amazing thing to do at yeah. that age. Yeah. But he just lived boxing. Yeah. I mean, down to the last final detail. Yeah. Where first, first it's fair to say we all we enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, we liked having the mm. crack as well. But not to that extreme. But you often heard yeah. him say it first in the gym, last leave, and he was always that yeah. sort, wasn't yeah. it? Because that's a cliche often, isn't it? It's yeah. not necessarily true with yeah. Darren. Yeah. Do we know more now about people like that maybe since since Darren passed away and just since people are talking more, do we know more about that kind of obsessive na nearly nature of someone? Would you would you know what to say to someone in that situation Even, a little bit more? That's a good question. something else. Or, I've, I've been asked this before, but like in Darren's case, you know, I've been around the world a few times. You, you obviously know more than I would. I never noticed anything that would have caused him to go the way it went. Mm. No, I never recognised that. Yeah. No, well I thought it was just drive in him. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that kind of, that wanting that kind of success that he wanted at, at, all, at all costs. Yeah. yeah. To, to like it, but he wore his heart on the sleeve, where yeah. other boxers probably felt the same as he felt, but yet never expressed it and spoke openly yeah. about it the way yeah. he did. Yeah. The way he, he People always say, he, he's a bit of insecurities, this and yeah. that. He's always questioning himself yeah, and yeah, always yeah. questioning and asking. But look, look, could be doing look that, for reassurances. Yeah, yeah. But I think that that kind of thing is in everybody. Yeah, it's yeah. in every great athlete, yeah. in every great fighter. That talking. sort of yeah. insecurity. The first, the because the fear of losing, the fear of losing, the fear of losing now, is, is greater than the joy of winning, they'll say to you. But because when you're, when you're at that level, the, like, what, the intensity that you put on out there, that kind of drive is is driving you on to win. Like you don't you don't train like that, and and then think think about a defeat because you're pushing yourself to the limits all the time. And that's what he was doing. Yeah. But he was open about it, wasn't he? And when you yeah. when when you, looking back, we can say about hindsight and everything. But Darren's behavior, Darren's actions, Darren's how would you say personality was never problematic, ever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there was never a reason to intervene in any way. Yeah. And he's a role model more than actually a role model yeah. actually. On the contrary, he he would be the type of person that you would think would would be mature enough to ask for a bit of assistance or a bit of help if he needed it. So he would be the first person that you would think, oh, well, there's a man that's very mature. There's a man that would, if he re really needs to have a deep, meaningful conversation about some weaknesses that he has or some, some areas that he needs improvement on, he would. He would open out and yeah. you know because that's the kind of person he was. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't back, suffer in silence. He, if he had something on his mind, he would say it. Oh no, I remember and, and speaking. And he also helped young lads like John John. Tom yeah. McCarthy spoke about it as well. How he put him, he put him in, under his wing, treated him like a brother, and said, "You know, you're coming yeah. up, and I'm bringing yeah. you up with me." So. But I think the expectation he put on himself really weighed him, weighed him down. Yeah. You know, because when he yeah. went pro, he went to England, and he was on his own over there a lot of the time, and the, the pressure just put under to course, to yeah. achieve yeah. and to do yeah. something special because everyone thought, yeah. Is this a world champion we have here? Yeah. But again, yeah. Kevin, as, as we said, spoke about earlier, 
before Milan that time we went away he came back from England to come into the gym to us he was telling us you don't know how lucky you are you've you're oh yeah you remember all yeah, that nutritionists you have dietitians you have psychologists start, you have everything yeah, that's when I started Whereas, questioning then was he happy about going pro did he make a wrong move or whatever mm-hmm. were you speaking yeah. Yeah. yeah before we talk about what happened at the end with Darren and, and what's come afterwards as well as legacy so the 2008 Olympics is a huge uh, point for Irish boxing. Obviously, at 2004, Andy Lee had been the only member of the team to go to the Olympics. The middleweight route was barred for, for Darren Sutherland at the time because he'd, he'd lost to John Duddy before that. Then Andy Lee had the spot. But after that, himself and Darren O'Neill fought it out. And then Darren Sutherland, in time for 2008, was the number one. Uh, you went to that Olympics. It was your first Olympic Games. So you'd been there in 2004 to help Andy. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Eric, you didn't make it there, and John Joe, you were the bolter, 18, and you somehow qualified. Uh, you were all in the squad at the, at the time together. What was the feeling in Irish boxing before you went uh, to those Olympics and took away those medals and kind of changed everything, really? For I remember I qualified sport. with Darren in Athens. Who was qualified at the same the last qualifier. Yeah. And Joyce as well. Really. And Joyce as well. But it was just Joyce on the cake that we, we had made it, you know, because we had the same aspirations as far as the amateur call was the two of us wanted to be Olympians. The three of us want to be Olympians, but yourself and Darren didn't qualify. You know, big, big hug. We were really, really happy that we'd made it because we were the two oldest on the team. And the young lads had qualified. Himself and Paddy Barnes were already there. So we need to try and get it across the line. And we did, thank God, and we qualified. But that was the start of the journey then. And I remember going to the training camp before the games in Russia. Paddy Vostok. Paddy Vostok, yeah. It was a hard camp now. But I remember Darren Sparring Karabok over there in the, in the training camp. That's on video and stuff, but he was just brilliant. This is the same guy that knocked him out the year or two previous in a, in a multinational. Yeah, just trying to remember that Sparrow's trying. I could see it before me all eyes, the maturity that Darren had displayed over those couple of rounds of sparring. Yeah. This guy is he's improving all the time. He's, he's, he's learning. They were shocked themselves, Kenny. They were, yeah. Back. The improvement, was, and off he went there into the games in super shape, really believing that he could go out there and medal, you know. Um, but just in the games itself, he got caught up in the whole thing. Like, he wanted to get photos with Nadal and all these boys running around getting forward because that's the type of guy he was but uh you know winning the medals fantastic and to be part of that team because we hadn't done that in, in so long 1992 yeah. was the last hurrah we had you know so and to be part of that team and, and, and do as well as we did was it was it was just a fantastic time to be an amateur boxer you were rooming with him in beijing is that right yeah and no i think it was an apartment yeah it was yeah, we were yeah. all like, kind of in the one apartment though yeah. weren't we yeah but i think you were in the room though right just, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I was stuck by the yeah, yeah. Kenny guy's on him again, yeah. That didn't happen, you know. <laughs> I was just saying that. Well, from the start, you hit the ground running, everybody was winning. Um, yeah. You know, you went out to the eventual champion, John Joyce went out to the eventual champion. Well, the you, funny thing is, they all went out to the. Everyone went out to the. Five. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it was going to be better after making the. Or after beating Tony Jeffries in the semis. And uh, I was in the bed then, the night before my fight. I was in under a little bit of training to make the way into the bed. And he'd been beaten by Miguel. Yeah. And he came in and shook his head in the window. Or in the door. He's right kind of best of luck tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, big smile on his face. And I went to bed as the happiest man in the world because yeah. I said, What's the worst that can happen? I can walk away with a silver. But, yeah. You know, he was delighted he had his medal and yeah. Yeah. I used to have one to go. But did, did he leave a gold medal behind him in to Beijing? Did he ease up after he after he secured the bronze? Because he had a couple of victories over the Gale, or was it just yeah, yeah. Just but he still know whether the tactics were, were right. What he seemed to make himself smaller, like in in his attacks. Whereas 
he, I, I totally applied the same tactics that he, that he had used in the, the semi finals. Yeah. For that, he was looking to get in close now. Yeah. I just, I think if, he, if he'd have boxed, probably yeah, yeah, you beat them, yeah, in yeah. Chicago. Put him away the way he did, but Darren yeah. was just unbelievable. You think yeah. he might have peaked there with Maybe, that performance? Yeah, I thought we were then, watching a gold medalist. I, I thought, yeah, after yeah. beating him, like, yeah. Yeah. then we have you can beat the Gael and then we're laughing. I always, I always look at it you know? from the point of view that Darren beat the Gael more times, and when you lose to a person multiple times, you learn the Gael learned more from those fights yeah. than Darren did because Darren was beating him, beating him, beating him. The game was learning more from every loss, yeah. every loss, yeah. and then he got his tactics spot on. When you talk about it, all goes boils down to tactics. Yeah, yeah. Course, Darren yeah. didn't get his tactics right. The game yeah. got his tactics yeah. spot on. It's all yeah. And yeah. amateur boxing, the game took a lead. It's very yeah. hard. He, 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 he was class. He did. He did. He beat Kazakh yeah. the champion. Yeah. You know, he beat Karabov too. Oh no, the Kazakh beat Karabov. Yeah. And then the Gael. He was he was shot up in those. I think Darren went out the fight. The game rather than yeah, boxing yeah. in that because in he that had, because he was going pro as well. He wanted to show his pro style. Yeah, he was all knew right after the Olympics he was going to go yeah, pro. Yeah, you know, and he was trying oh, to like, show these promoters like I'm going to walk him down. Like I was surprised that maybe I don't know who, who's to blame, but at the same time I just said, get behind that brilliant champion. Yeah, yeah get behind it. Open up, get close, yeah. then get your range, get yeah. your feet in, and then and then bring your big backhand into play. You know. Yeah, I just thought he should have boxed. Of all, yeah. the, of all the high performance graduates who've gone pro in the last 10 years, and there's been a hell of a lot, including the two years, two of you guys as well, mm. of all of them, Darren probably looked the most primed, the most ready, the most pro style. He was more mature. He, was, he knew what he, <coughs> he, he had that style always. Yeah, he had always. He yeah, always had that style. Yeah, yeah. You know, some people have to adopt to them things like Samaria and, and me, and that, of course, we're boxers and we're always kind of. Um, you know, fit all these faint and things. The more a European amateur yeah, style, yeah. he had it. He was the pro style. The tires, yeah. When you see a lot of Irish boxers struggle maybe with the distances as well. I, yeah. I'll be honest. I don't think I have been more excited about any other Irish boxer turning over to the professional ranks. I used to love when his fight nights were on. I used to love getting him to sit down and watch him. Honestly, I definitely thought he was going to be a superstar. And he was in the glamour division as well, the middleweight division. You know, he looked the part, he talked the talk, yeah. walked the walk, he was everything. And it really was like, you know what I mean? Like when the sad tragic news came out, it really was a shocking, it's just completely, I was numb. I was numb when I heard like, what? But I stage he was 4-0. Uh, since he'd moved to England and he, he was a bit isolated, obviously it emerged at the end. And had you guys been in contact with him in the, in the year before? Was he, was he still, the, was he the sort of guy to cut himself off and concentrate on training? And, I suppose it's the days before as much social media and WhatsApp and stuff. You can kind of maybe cut that off. Do you remember I when just he was remember like him when he was popping back into the gym? And yeah. what I remember from him popping back into the gym was he would say those uh, things that you mentioned there, John Joe, about like uh, what he'd come back in for would be a bit of physio and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's Billy and Gary and that. He said, all right, if I come back in. And to be fair to the lads, it was always open to Darren. Even yeah. though he switched codes, yeah. he, was, he could always come back, do a bit of pads, do a, get a, to see a doctor, get to see a physio. Have some grub with us if he if he decided to <laughs> yeah, not bring yeah, his own. Yeah. Um, but uh, that yeah, so that's what that's what I remember from him. But when he came back in, he was always um, what would you kind of say an elder statesman, always giving a, a bit of advice to the younger ones, and yeah. you know he was just good fun to be around. Like you know he was like monster flame as well. Like people were attracted to him. You know what I mean? He definitely was that type of um, he was that type of of a person, charisma and everything. He lit up a room. Yeah. Yeah. The unfortunate thing was after after that last fight that he had. 
I met him about six weeks later, and he had a lump on his face here, and it was infected. What's that mean? I said, Jesus, what happened to me? He says, that's, that's from the cut I got in the fight. So it, just, it was like a little lump like that on, the, on, the, on his face. Yeah. And he says, uh, Maloney's had to tell me, he says, he wants me to box up in uh, the stadium alight up in Sunderland. Yeah. And uh, he said, I can't box him. He says, yeah, I can't spare. Mm. I can't do anything. Yeah. He was so, like, it's like, it's like a jigsaw there. There's one piece missing. And that's standing, that piece missing, he just yeah. won't, he just wouldn't try, yeah. he won't box. He wouldn't box. He took all he had as an yeah. eye injury, why yeah. was it upsetting him so yeah. much? But that's not necessarily, that can be really debilitating. It means yeah. that you can't get in as far, you can't do yeah. it. Your livelihood. It's what Kenny was saying earlier about him, he was so precise in his, in his preparation. Everything had to be, everything had to be yeah. like, in, in place before he, he'd actually take a fight or even smile. Mm. So that was the reason why he didn't enter the, the elites when Andy won his last title, because he, he just felt that he wasn't ready yeah. at that particular time. How did the news filter out about what happened to Darren? Um, who got the first call? Like, or... Well, I don't know who got the first call, but I got, I got a call from Jimmy Payne the next morning. morning. The next morning, I got a call. I got a call. Then he was text me. Unbelievable. Yeah. We, we were only home from Milan. We touched down. Yeah, I think you, text, I think you, te- I think you text me. You text me the news. I remember the text I got off you. It wasn't very clear either. Like I was just like, uh, what do you mean? Like so it wasn't very clear. And then text you back, and then you just told me. And I was like, wow, Jesus, it was unbelievable. Like could not believe it. Like you know, because it really was like devastating. Like you know, it's one of those things that you just like you're like you're stopped in your tracks. You're like what? No way, because like you, right, I know a fair, a, a, a little bit about, you know, mental health and, you know, well-being and, uh, you know, stu- I've, we've studied counseling and stuff like that as well. And I've been through my own struggles too. So there's a lot of things that you would kind of say, like, that would be indicating factors. One would be alcohol or drugs abuse, um, you know, gambling addictions, um, maybe uh, dep- dep- depression, disconnect, a relationship breakdown, you know, uh, family breakups, all these traumatic uh, t- things and incidents that might be um, a reason for someone, um, you know, finding themselves in, in a very, very dire situation. But there was not, the, apart from his professional career, there wasn't anything outside of that. His life seemed to be good. I, I, I believe, I mean, Financially, he was, he was in a good place. I think you know what I mean. His record was was impeccable. Yeah. He's he was an Olympic hero. Yeah. He was an Irish boxing hero. He was a legend. He was like everything was set up for him to be. You no know, scandal. No. There was no. There was no. For, yeah, there was no. In the, there was no clear indications yeah. uh, that this guy is in a bit of trouble here. Yeah. Apart from what was going on in his, we can only well, begin to imagine what was going on in his in his small professional exactly. uh, circle. What Eric's saying there is, is bang on, but that's from us looking in on him. What's going on from him looking out, you know what I mean? Yeah. In that apartment in London, yeah. wherever yeah. he was, yeah. on his own, training twice a day. Yeah. What else was he doing? Yeah. Who was he so- socialising with? What kind yeah. of circus was he in? Was he isolating yeah. himself and just being in his own? He hadn't got many friends over there. No, yeah, that's tough, you know. Yeah. This is why he probably misused on a daily like basis. He needed, he, he, needed him, yeah. 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 he used to give him a lot of stick over his accent and that, you know, because he was Caribbean. Yeah. 
English and Irish. That's all you spend. That was one thing that a lot of people used to say to me. Where is Darren Sutherland from? Is he American? Where is he from? Like, and I don't get his accent at all. Like, you know, he's just one of those accents that's just. It's a bit of everything, you know. But was he funny? Was he a joker? he was. He was a character. He was so funny that he did not even try. He didn't try to be the. The, yeah. the co- comedic, you know what I mean, like yeah. or whatever, you know. And um, he was, um, he, we used to get a good laugh off him, like you know. And to be fair, he took it in good jest as well, like you know. He wasn't one of these guys that would like, um, but it's it's a well known kind of, what is it? It's well known secret or whatever. Darren was a bit tight with his few bob and that, you know what I mean. <laughs> he just did not like spend the money. I was, we were in the Germany training camp, uh, in. What was the name of that clone or clone? Helm or something? Hennef. 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 Yeah. And we went into Heidelberg where your brother's from. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. we walked, we had about half an hour walk to the tram into Heidelberg where Ken's brother was living. Yeah. Yeah. And when we got to the tram, this is on our day off, and we said, lads, we need to get out of this training camp. You know, we walked for a half an hour to get to the tram. Yeah. When we got to the tram, we realized it was a 10, it was 10 euros to get the tram into Heidelberg. Darren turned back. <laughs> hey, you're all right. You're all right. I'm going back here. You're all right. What do you know what I mean? Like, come on. He was in the airport coming out from Russia one time. And he allowed you know, that currency with him. Real bus. Real bus. Yeah, and he wanted yeah. to buy something in the shop. So we went up to Orla Samson, who was the physio at the time. Orla, if any change, I want to buy myself a packet of mints or whatever. And Orla said, if you not got any money, and he pulls out, I don't know what it was, a big handful of, of rubles, you know. And he said, no, all I have is this. And she points over the borough exchange. She wasn't going to change it. Ah, oh, no, I'll leave it. He wanted to change it at home. You know, thinking he'd get more for it. <laughs> <laughs> she was always really, really. Next few euro back in the double. She probably wouldn't take it off at all when he was home, you know. He left with a lot of rooms. Ben used to tell a joke that if Darren dropped the euro of his pocket, they would hit him on the back of the head. Before what? he before he went to pick and it up. He was open in that. He, 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 he didn't want to waste money. He didn't want to waste money. He didn't need it. You know, always yeah. very very smart with his money and. and I and just, yeah. No, but that's it. Well, like even type of person that you would say, like Jesus, Darren will show you how to live. You know, Sensible. like yeah. it was a lesson to the rest of us. Like you know what I mean? Like that. Like you don't need. Like you know, he he just he bought what he absolutely needed, and that was it. Yeah. There was no, you know, outside of that. He, he, always, he always yeah. said he wanted to try and get a sponsorship from, uh, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. His legacy uh, in terms of what, what lives on after Darren, like he's uh, one of the first high profile Irish sports people to have maybe succumbed to mental health issues, but also created a lot of awareness and that's that sort of conversation is rife in Ireland at the minute and people are less afraid to talk and less afraid to you know express themselves if, if they've got issues on their mind particularly in elite sport but also I suppose in terms of professional boxing you look at all the champions who've come since and who would he have bet 
Uh, John Joe, like he, he uh, James De Gale, you, you've been a training partner yeah, James De Gale over in England. And, uh, but James De Gale has done as a, as a professional, he's won numerous world titles. Yeah. And I think Darren would have had his number as a, as a professional, you know? Yeah. Over the pro God, goals, yeah. God willing, he, he'd yeah. stay injury free and things and all that. And progress yeah, the BS on the short, yes. so maybe yes. in some way. Yeah. Again, there was, a, there was a lot of respect there, and there still yeah. is, you know. Again, Chunky, um, where's the DS? As yeah. a mark of respect for Darren, yeah. you know, outside of the ring, like in the in the boxing ring, they're going to go to war and they're going to try to take the head off each other. But outside of the ring, they were very good, like friends. And when they meet at training camps and this and that, they're always there, like they're yeah. always speaking friendly to each other. Where yeah. other Irish and English boxers might be, but you'd always see them two together and sharing yeah. a joke and a laugh and things. Yeah, in some ways, James Gale has said it himself that Darren, Darren Sunderland made him. An Olympic champion made him a better boxer. Yeah. You know what I mean in every single way. So I think the fact that he paid tribute to Darren with the with the with the initials on shorts now was was a class thing to do. But it was also a reminder for James yeah. that you know that you know this man made me yeah. become a better boxer. James actually said that to me uh, that when he knew that he had bottle and he about himself now speaking about himself when he had bottle and he knew he could when it came down to the last end that he could hang tight for a fight was in Pescara. When it was so much points in front of, of Darren, Darren brought back 21 20. Yeah. It was like 20 points to seven up or something. And it came down to one point right at the end of the bell. And he got the point to win it. He said, That's when I knew that I, I, I had it. Like, I, I took a beating for that last round. The, ver- the very last round, he lands that, land, lands that one punch. But he said, Darren hit me with everything. When I got out of that ring, I was broke up, you know, like after that, I could feel the pain. He was so, he was so big of a hitter. Yeah, if you look at the best super middleweights of the past decade, you're Frotch, Groves, mm. yeah. Kessler, yeah. Andre, Andre Ward to an extent. Uh, how competitive would Darren have been in with those guys if, if he had a fulfilled his potential? See, when we're talking about the game and we're talking about Darren, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind because I, I honestly, my belief is one of the hardest things to achieve in sport is to, is to win an amateur fight, an amateur boxing contest. You've only three rounds for doing it. You lose the first round, yeah. you have two rounds, and that's it. Whereas Darren would have got better as the yeah, rounds yeah. went on. Yes, half the game, you know. So like, it's it's unbelievable pressure, them three, them three rounds. Mm. So yeah. what they have achieved, these guys here, what they have achieved in sport is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, class fighters. But what I'm saying, I think Darren, Darren was suited to the program. Yeah. That's why him going into five, six rounds, yeah. eight rounds, uh, he just would have got better and better and better. Like he would have blown the Gala out. Mm. Like he, I think he probably would have even knocked them out, yeah. come around yeah. fifth, six, seven rounds and all that kind of way. And that's how he, you can see, you can see how well even the program worked for, for Katie. You know, like the amateur, when she got to a certain stage, where she lost one or two fights that, she wouldn't have lost maybe five or six years earlier. But then as soon as she hit the f- six round fights, she, you, you could afford to lose two or three rounds yeah. and yeah. still win the fight. Yeah. Like, it, w- it was a brilliant move by Katie to actually go for it because it, it, she's, up, she's up achieving so much yeah, because she has that extra bit of time in the ring to, to bring it to the point. Yeah, yeah. There's more pressure on you as an amateur because if you lose that first round, you're under, you're under yeah, you're pressure, massive you know? pressure. You know, the fight's gone. Ken, I know particularly in the pros, you keep an eye on the light heavyweights and the super middleweights like a lot, and probably more than other weights. Do you think Darren would have been a He would have mixed it with the best of the world, yeah. of course he would have. Yeah. And because 
of the style that he had before he even stepped into a pro ring. You know, that was an advantage to him. So I would imagine if he got the right trainer and the right coach, he could have, yeah. you know, I suppose yeah. gelled well with someone, yeah. he could have brought him right to the yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Top of the pecking order, definitely. Yeah. Um, I suppose I, I didn't ask you about his legacy in ten years on from what happened. Like, I suppose the shock subsides and you just you miss him at that stage. Is, but do you think about lessons from what happened or anything like that? Or, I, don't know. I mean, it's just you miss the guy. You know, it's yeah. a, it's just he's one of the people that uh, you, I don't think you'll ever forget because he, he just had that kind of. Charisma, you know, personality, it's terrific guy. Like, uh, as we spoke earlier before we started, uh, about the Gale on his debut, you know, and, and getting booed by his own English fans in yeah. Wolverhampton. And he turned around and said, isn't it terrible the way these people are doing their own yeah. Olympic, yeah. Olympic gold medals, you know, but that's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. That's, like, he felt for the Gale. Yeah, no, and even though the game at, at that time, yeah, they were like what, the time. Yeah. you know, for that yeah. and then, mm. because why he was a competitor, yeah. you know. Again, you know, Darren was always a good guy. As I said, he's, he was too nice for his own good sometimes, wasn't he? You know, he, he was he was still in the competition. He'd be worried about other boxers as well, you know. Um, I remember I got beaten one in the competition at Multinational. He was still in it, and. Um, he, he was fighting the next day and he came in and he, yeah, yeah. He, you know, I was devastated losing because I was only a youngster and, you know, if I lost a fight, it was, it was like the end of the world for me. But he'd come in and he'd, he'd sit you down instead of focus on his own fight the next day, he'd be in there, he'd work. He's one of these lads that always, he was always there for, for, for other boxers as well. Yeah, I think he'll, uh, he'll always be remembered. I'll never forget him anyway. Um, I've never met anybody like him. I've never known anybody like him. Um, he, he was he was a true, uh, how would you say, unique individual, you know, one of a kind, but definitely could have went all the way. Um, I think it also puts into kind of perspective how how important uh, how important uh, it is to look after our well-being uh, and you know and our mental health. It's you know we can be surrounded by so much, so many people, hundreds and thousands of people on this social media, and we live in this kind of big bubble but it's really important to have a few real people in your life a few real people that you can talk to openly and honestly about whatever's going on in your life whether it's relationship issues or money issues or whatever family issues you need to have a support unit everybody and you've got to have it doesn't matter how many it is two or three or four whatever just that support unit and keep that close and that is the most important thing that you need in life going forward that 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 support unit not the hundreds of thousands of followers in social media, not that all that recognition and you know, even though that goes hand in hand, but it is it's a when you talk about is there lessons, yes, massive lessons in it for us all to know that we need we need to have we need to look after our, our, ourselves. Eric's last word. Yeah, like you will always be missed, you know, because I share something unique and special with you know being in that those Olympic games in two thousand eight. But mental health doesn't discriminate, you know. Looking from the outside in at Darren, the world was his oyster, potential world champion in the pro game, had it all there ready to go for him. But you know, if you're not, if you don't have peace of mind, you're not content in your own skin. So you need to seek help, you know. Um, and the stigma, it's it's still there, you know. There is still stigma around mental health, but I think it is getting better. 
yeah. the last the last number of years. But what happened to Darren probably shouldn't should have never happened. We had a solid, healthy player. It's a, an absolute tragedy that we have lost someone so talented and so unique that could have brought us many a wonderful night as, as imagine in the boxing ring. Um, but we'll be missed and, and like you, said, you know, it's always you know, around September you would be thinking of an awful lot more than, than normal, but uh, it's a date that'll always be in our, in our heads, you know, going into the future. Yeah, and spare a thought for for his family as well at this time as well, as you know. Um, ripple effect of something like that it goes very far and wide you know what I mean and uh, it's uh, you know your heart wouldn't really go out there um, and, and I just I hope they're, I hope they're all doing well at this time as well so.